Yes, it's working. Awesome. Good. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for staying here as well this afternoon. My name's Steffi. I'm working for Newcastle Business School, which is part of Northumbria University up in Newcastle upon Tyne. And I'm here on behalf of myself and my co-author, Jamie, who unfortunately couldn't make it. And I'm presenting a paper that has recently been published in the Strategic Change, Change Journal, which is actually the same title as this presentation. It's just the benefits of online crowdfunding for fund-seeking business ventures. Now, for the particular paper, we wanted to do a number of things. First of all, we really wanted to review the current literature that's out there in terms of crowdfunding. And all of you who are a little bit aware of crowdfunding, you know that there is not all that much just yet. So we wanted to bring it together and give, especially the researcher and academic community, something where everything's being piled together. We wanted to then also go a little bit further and not just look at the researchers and the academics, but come up with something that might possibly be of value to the entrepreneurial community, the practitioners. So we wanted to explore what the benefits were. But we haven't collected any data, so we have explored these benefits purely based on the existing literature. We also wanted to then apply a framework. So we didn't just want to come up with a number of bullet points with all of these benefits on them. We wanted to make it a bit more conceptual and actually introduce a framework to this very young research area. And in order to do that, I have decided to use a framework that I've introduced myself as well. It's based on the field of business angels, and it has been published about five years ago. And I thought, if it works for business angels, we'll just see whether it works for crowdfunding as well. Eventually, we managed to amend the framework so that it does really suit the crowdfunding area particularly well. And finally, which is also something I want to do today, is just to introduce some of the drawbacks. I'm not a big fan of presenting an unbalanced picture, but I'm aware that today the focus will be on benefits with just a little bit of drawbacks sort of pushed on at the end. I know you've already heard about crowdfunding today and you're all probably particularly well aware of what it is anyway, so I'm trying to keep the introduction quite brief. We all know crowdfunding really is an open call. For example, on the internet, it doesn't have to be online, but most of the time these days it is. And it is a new model for small companies, for charities, for individuals to raise capital. And any of you who might have done the Great North Run or some other cancer research run or something like that, you will have probably used crowdfunding yourselves as well. You will have gone out and asked all of your friends, can you each put in £10? Basically, that's what it is. It is a new way that's currently emerging, and there is a lot of interest in academia, in practice, and in policy in this area. What happens is that we have a crowd of people. We have a number of individuals that all put in usually fairly small amounts, and all together they create this crowd. They are the investors. Theoretically, we could think about investments as little as one pound per person, can go up to almost anything. But ultimately, you've got this crowd of a lot of people that will then put the money together into the business, or into any other cause, really. 
For the purpose of our paper, we specifically focused on business ventures. So we're not really interested in the arts, we're not really that interested in the not-for-profit organizations or the charities. It was mostly about the profit businesses. We have also not specifically focused on one or more than one um, countries. We've actually just looked at all the literature that's out there. So this is not specific to anything in particular. Who wants to attract crowdfunding? In our case, we're looking at small businesses. Quite often it's the entrepreneurial high growth businesses, but not necessarily. It can be any kind of innovative, creative organization that maybe want to grow, that maybe don't want to grow. It's really irrelevant to us because we just wanted to look at the small businesses. They tend to require, I've called it small to moderate sort of amounts of finance, 5,000 pounds up to maybe a couple of hundred thousand. So we're not quite at the level yet where maybe our banks are interested. We're not quite at the level yet where the venture capitalists are interested. But most of the time, the 3F investors, the family, the friends, and the founders themselves, they have exhausted their finances. So there needs to be something else. And as we know, that's pretty much where the gap usually is, the funding gap between the 3Fs and the big institutional investors. And this is where crowdfunding can potentially fit in. Now, the reason why I've used the benefits framework from my business angel research is simply because it's a similar type of problem that the typical business angel funded pro businesses are facing. They're also stuck between the 3Fs and the institutional investors. So you've got this gap, angels invest there, maybe crowdfunding does. So I thought, well, I'll give it a go and I'll see whether this framework works. Given that the internet obviously is a very interactive sort of platform, it's no wonder that crowdfunding has found its way into the internet, into the online domain as well. You've got the opportunity of interacting with a number of people the investors with each other, the investors with the businesses, the businesses with each other, and obviously the platform sitting somewhere in the middle. So we are specifically looking at online crowdfunding, which is probably the main thing that you've heard about today already. The crowdfunders give the money, and in return they obtain something. I know this morning the presentation from Ben, I think, was mostly about the non-financial rewards. It was mostly about things like, um, I don't know, getting a product, a sample of the service, something like that. However, there's a lot of other crowdfunding platforms out there that will allow investors to invest in equity, that will allow them to give loans, that will allow them to just give donations as well. So quite often the investors might just be interested in social reputation, or basically just in the feeling of, yeah, I've done something good here, I don't need anything back. So there are a lot of different motivations that investors might have, and there are a lot of different rewards that might come back. We haven't specified what kind of reward our paper focuses on. I will talk quite a lot about the more equity-based investments, simply because it compares most directly to the business angels, but it's not specific to that only. So here's my little framework. It is just based on a paper that we've published five years ago, and it suggests that a business angel, a private wealthy individual investor, 
has four main benefits to an investee company. They can help to overcome this funding gap that's there. They will be providing some value-added involvement, generally provide contacts and facilitate further funding. Some of these have links with one another, and I will talk about those when I introduce the individual parts. As for crowdfunding, we have identified an additional benefit, which I've put down here. So we found that all of these four are actually relevant for crowdfunding as well as business angels. But then for crowdfunding, we say limited or no loss of ownership and control is another additional, quite useful benefit for a lot of entrepreneurs. Unfortunately, we do not really have this with business angels. As most of you are probably aware, the business angel quite likes to have a little bit of a say in the company. They would like to have a certain amount of shareholding, voting rights, and so on. And in order to just introduce all of these to you, I'll go through them one by one. And we'll start with the benefit number one, which is to help to overcome funding difficulties. Now, if we look at specifically the business angel and maybe the venture capital world, they tend to like the high growth businesses. They like companies that can, from day one, basically say, yeah, we will be the next Microsoft, the next IBM, the next Amazon, will be huge. With our crowdfunders, however, they don't necessarily want that. They have much more all-encompassing funding criteria. They might invest in something because it's their hobby, because they've come across something similar before, or as we said earlier, simply because they want to be involved in a good cause. So there are a lot more businesses that can attract crowdfunding than that can attract business angels or, for example, venture capital as well. Crowdfunding can be quite an effective, quite fast, and comparatively cheap way as well to reach a lot of potential investors. If you're familiar with the business angel field, there are between 20,000 and 40,000 angels in the UK. There are millions of potential crowdfunders. So you do have a way of addressing a lot of people fairly quickly with the help of the crowdfunding. Again, if you want to raise finance through business angels, you go through the networks. What happens? They invite you to pitch to a number of angels. And all the pitches I've ever attended were probably about that kind of size of a room. There were maybe 20, maybe 40 people, if you're lucky, that can potentially invest. If your business, however, is featured on the online platform, again, there are millions of people that can potentially look at your business. So you do have a very large pool of investors, and that pool gets made even larger by the fact that quite often the crowdfunders do not have geographical constraints. The business angel likes to invest within about an hour of where he or she lives. That reduces the amount quite down again, and especially if I'm looking at Newcastle, the northeast area where I'm from, there are not all that many business angels up there, so if you have an innovative company, you really have to be very lucky to find one. On the other hand, though, no one stops someone from halfway around the world, Australia, New Zealand, to invest in a company here if they're using the crowdfunding platform. So we're now actually moving from just the 
I don't know, a few million that we've got in the UK, up to potentially the entire world as potential investors. That just really increases the pool of potential money givers quite substantially. And then we have a fairly large choice of online platforms. I think the latest figure I've read was there's currently around about 500 crowdfunding platforms in the world. I'm sure this has changed already. I'm sure there's been a few coming up in various countries that I'm not aware of yet. And I'm sure there will be more in the future. But it just means that if you have a certain type of business, you have the opportunity to shop around. You can have a look. What kind of platform is most suitable? What other businesses are raising funding there? You know, is there a specific one only for my industry? Or would it be best to go for a more generic one? So you have a really large choice. You can probably list in a different country from your own as well, increasing the pool of investors even further. And altogether, this just means that crowdfunding has the opportunity to overcome this specific funding gap that a lot of these small companies are facing. Our second benefit, which you'll see later links in with the third one, is the provision of contacts. As a business angel, the investor would be very keen to provide contacts. They would introduce other business angels, venture capitalists, they would introduce other contacts that can support the business. It's not necessarily like that with the crowdfunding because you might have thousands of investors and if everyone emails you a couple of contacts, you'll probably never come off your email. But what they can do is they can create a kind of hype around the business. We're probably all on social networking sites. Now, if I was investing somewhere, and even if it's just $10, 10 pounds, 10 euros, I might then put it on Facebook and all of my friends see, oh, she's just invested in that. So I'm already creating a bit of a, a, bit of a hype, basically. And it just needs a few more people to then also post it, so the hype just goes viral, basically. And I suggest that this can cause a kind of a bandwagon effect. There is current research that has actually looked at crowdfunders and it says that a lot of crowdfunders will take other crowdfunders' opinion before they choose where to invest. So it's almost like, well, if one person invests, there will be a few following. And if you've got 10 people investing, there'll be even more following. So you really have the potential for a bandwagon. And that's just because one or two people say, look, I've invested in this. Do you want to go as well? And clearly, this is related because we have a public exposure, public awareness. The more people know the business, the more people click on the platform, the more people understand what you're on about, what your business is. And it's just basically, yeah, it's a cheap little marketing opportunity for the business. It just gives them the opportunity to benefit from word of mouth rather than having to spread their budget across, I don't know how many countries, to get a lot of people to check the website, for, it, for instance. Now, related to this, as I've already said, it's the bandwagon effect here again that facilitates further funding. Is anyone not familiar with the concept of investment readiness? Especially the institutional investors, obviously, they quite often say, well, I love this idea, it's a great business, but you're just not quite ready. 
Investment readiness can be all sorts of things. It could be maybe the management isn't quite sufficiently developed yet. Maybe the product isn't quite ready yet to be marketed. It can be anything. And if you look at the statistics around venture capital and business angels, very often investment readiness or a lack thereof is the reason why they do not invest. So I'm suggesting that by using crowdfunding, you could actually achieve investment readiness. For instance, a company wants to go for venture capital funding, wants to get, say, £2 million. In order to get there, they might still need to tweak a little bit on the product, maybe send the management on a couple of leadership courses. Can't afford it straight away. Maybe go to crowdfunding, raise a couple of thousand pounds, send the management, finish the product, go pitch to the VC and get the big money. So achieving investment readiness can be done by fairly small sums sometimes, and it could be crowdfunding that enables this. And through that, it facilitates the further funding through VCs, business angels, or whatever. The fourth benefit then, which is probably my favorite one, is involvement. A business angel, a venture capitalist, they will want to provide added value through involvement. What is involvement? Anything. Anything that the business angel would like to provide to the company. I've seen business angels do as little as calling up once a week and say, look, I believe in you. It's sort of a motivation. It's just a nice little something. But it kind of is being involved in the business. And then it goes up to the business angel walking in and saying, look, I don't think you're doing a good job as the manager. I'm taking over. So you have a lot of different kinds of involvement that can be done. You can guess that it's not exactly the same with the crowdfunding because you have thousands of investors, and if each one says, I want to be the manager, you're not getting anywhere. Nevertheless, there are kinds of involvement that all of these thousands of people can provide. One of them has been referred to as the wisdom of the crowd. And that simply means that it's a compiled sum of all the investors' knowledge, skills, experiences, and even contacts again. A company can draw upon this. It's maybe not recommended to send out an email and saying, Ooh, does anyone know anything about finance because I need to do my taxes and I don't know. <laughs> but still, you can send out an email and ask an open question. And if it goes to all the crowdfunders, chances are there will be one or two that will have a really useful answer to this. But more interesting, I think, is the idea of using other types of crowdsourcing. So using all these investors for feedback. Asking them, look, you've put money into my business. I've given you a product in return. What did you think? That gives you the opportunity to make use of all of these people that have already displayed an interest in your business. So it's not cold calling. You already have people on board. And you can use them for feedback or for all sorts of other queries and questions. And um, there's another something which I think fits in with involvement, which I think is quite interesting because it's almost like involvement that the investor knows nothing about. And what I mean is that as the entrepreneur, you can, for example, try to interpret the behavior of the investors. 
I have a good friend who's currently thinking about maybe setting up the business abroad as well, doing a franchise, especially in Australia. He's running his business from Newcastle. And what he's done is he's sought crowdfunding. He's only got about 200 people who are interested in investing in his business. However, out of those 200, over 90 were actually from Australia. Which is interesting because it gives him a bit more confidence in the fact that if he did go to Australia, he would probably have customers there. So it's more like interpretation of the participants, the crowdfunders' ideas of their behaviours and obviously where they're coming from, what they're doing, all sorts of information you can get from the platform. And I think that might be part of involvement. Um, it's something that no one's researched before. It's a bit of a new idea that's just come to me recently, but I think it might be, it might be something that would be quite interesting for a business and obviously for us as researchers as well. And finally, we have our fifth benefit, which does not quite work with the business angels. And it's the fact that as a crowdfunding-seeking business, you're not necessarily giving up a lot of ownership and a lot of control. And in some cases, actually, you do not give up any ownership or control. The business angel, you know, Dragon's Den, they'll go in and say, I want 50% of the company, I want 40% of the company, I want X amount, I want voting rights, I want this, this, this. If you have all these crowdfunders coming along, they all maybe have really small shareholdings, if they have any at all. So an individual crowdfunder owning 1% of the business can't ask you to leave the business on his own. He needs to have support from more of the shareholders. So you're not actually losing control to that extent. Obviously, if you have a lot of crowdfunders that are happy to lend money or even give you the money for free as a donation, then you're not worried at all because you've got no one in your business here who will suddenly try to take over control, who will take over parts of your ownership. And even before the investment is done, a business angel or a VC will be wanting to look at everything. They'll be doing due diligence. They will be meeting with you, with your management team. They will be meeting with all sorts of customers, all sorts of other people, looking through all of your documentation and material, and they'll be doing a fairly detailed due diligence. As a crowdfunder, I want to invest 10 pounds somewhere I'm not going to go and ask him for all of his detailed information. So it's actually quite useful for the entrepreneur to not have to deliver all of this. It's very time consuming, it's quite stressful to provide all of this material, to have these negotiations with the investors. It's quite, well, it's quite expensive as well to have all this stuff. Whereas the crowdfunders do not request it, hence it's a lot cheaper in terms of the transaction costs. The contracts tend to be really detailed for the venture capitalists, not so much for the business angels. But basically, it just means lots of pages of reading and a lot of detail. Crowdfunders sign up to the website, say I'll pledge 10 pounds, done. That's pretty much it. There's not a lot of contractual stuff to be considered. So it is actually quite an interesting benefit that crowdfunding has for the entrepreneur. And if we then 
combine all of these benefits together, you can see this very complicated looking framework, but it just is basically all of the ones we've had before in one place. And um, if you do get the paper, then obviously you can have a look at it because there's a lot of information on this slide. So I apologize for that. Um, it is fairly self-explanatory, I think, and since I've gone through each of the points, I think it should be fine. Now, just before I finish, I want to raise a couple of negative points. I realize so far I've sounded as if crowdfunding was the mecca, as if this was the paradise for all the entrepreneurs. It's not really. There are lots of downsides to it. And therefore, I think papers, maybe like mine, papers that are a bit more practitioner-oriented are quite useful for the entrepreneur to help them decide whether it is for them or not. This is not um, a list of all the downsides, so probably more, and I'm just basically introducing them briefly. So this morning you've had a presentation of someone whose crowdfunding platform allows businesses to raise also partial amounts. Most platforms will say it's an all or nothing thing. If you want to raise 50,000 and you only raise 49,990, you do not get these 49,990 because you haven't hit the target. Um, ben from this morning obviously said, you know, if you don't raise the full amount, you can still choose to have the bids that have been raised. So this is not relevant for all funding platforms, but for a majority. If you're unable to raise the full amount, you get nothing. You do have to disclose information up front. So the pitch, that information that's going to be put on the platform website, all of that needs to be given beforehand. And the problem is, it's actually available online. Anyone can see it, which means the competitors can see it, the potential competitors can see it, anyone. So there's always the question of you know, intellectual property. As the entrepreneur, are you happy to share this? Would you rather be a bit more secretive and share it just with the business angels? So it's a potential drawback here. We're talking about possibly thousands of investors. You might want to occasionally email them. You might want to keep them in the loop. After all, they have funded the business. So it's complex to do this. It can be quite time consuming to then maybe even consider different tiers of investors. Someone who's given 10 pounds probably needs a bit less attention than someone who's given 1,000 pounds. So it's quite complex and should probably be done right, especially if equity is involved. We have a lot of online platforms to choose from, which is again making things complicated. A lot of people say, oh, it's great to have so much choice. Yeah, but where do you even start looking? And then how do you make the decision where you place your company? You've got many investors. A lot of them might want to just be completely passive. They're not wanting to do anything. But you might find that there are a fair few that want to be involved in some way. And if you're given a shout out and say, can I have some feedback? There might be a few that will just constantly keep emailing you about the same sort of topic. So it's, again, fairly time-consuming at times dealing with all of these. Possibly giving away future sales is mostly relevant for businesses that will offer products or services as rewards. I'm thinking of one of the companies that I think it's been one of the first ones that has raised equity through Crowdcube. It's a soap business, a bit like Lush. 
And what they've done is they've given different kinds of soap products to their investors. So if you invest £10, you get a little soap. If you invest 25 you get a bigger one, and so on. But what you're actually doing is you're basically more or less selling things. Because once I've got my soap, I'm not going to need to go back and buy yet another one. So you're sort of giving away some of your sales. And there's another drawback which is particularly relevant for only the equity investments, but it's a legal minefield and I'm not even trying to understand it all at this moment in time. It's just to do with the risks of equity investing. As a business angel, the investor has to certify themselves that they're actually sophisticated investors. Now what's happening with this? If you look at the Crowdcube websites and so, there is a little bit of a health warning, if you like, at the bottom of the page. But it is a bit of a legal minefield and um, I think companies are probably, well, they should get a lawyer or something to have a look into this before they start doing equity investments. Just as a conclusion, um, it's a fairly, a fairly basic paper, I would like to call it, because it is very exploratory. It's a very new area, there is not a lot of stuff there yet. But we found that actually existing frameworks can work even on an area as young as this. It's useful to apply things that are already well established in other areas and that will just give this new area a bit more of a boost as well. And we've obviously found that online crowdfunding has five specific benefits for companies. We've got the funding difficulties are being overcome, we've got the contacts provided, facilitation of further funding, value-added involvement, and this one, which does not apply to the business angel and venture capitalists, is the limited or no loss of ownership and control. I've just put a few references on here. Um, there are obviously a lot more in the actual paper, but um, these are pretty much the main ones that I will have used for that presentation. Thank you very much. I think I'm okay on time. Are there any questions? Um, just understand crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding, sort of started filling a gap between 3Fs and business angels. Are you implying that it's now grown in size and maturity to compete with angel investors? At the, at the top end, I think so, yes. It has originally started as the slightly smaller version, but there are companies that are trying to raise three, four hundred thousand pounds on the crowdfunding platform, which is what the business angels would sometimes invest as well. So I think it does fill the gap as well as compete. And is it likely to grow and go and go into the VC area? I don't know, I don't have a magic ball to look into the future with, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. Because if we think about how the internet grows everything else as well, why wouldn't it start to grow this? But I don't know. <laughs> you know, you uh, stated that uh, there are lots of uh, platforms, hmm? crowdfunding platforms, and sometimes we refer our students to want to, uh, to explore some crowdfunding sites for your idea. Uh, but because there's so many type of platforms and worldwide, are you aware of any kind of crowdfunding advisory? I've seen that there might be a business that 
someone who might be able to advise um, uh, an entrepreneur mm -hmm. on how to go about this kind of sea of platforms. I haven't and found so on one yet. One to go for. I haven't found one yet. Okay. No. Maybe that should be a business that can then well, see so crowdfunding in order to be set up. <laughs> so you're on your own, essentially, if you want it. I think at the moment, yes. Maybe I just haven't come across it yet, but um, I'm not aware of one. Thank you. Um, you said, um, of course, it um, facilitates and further attraction. Uh, for the funding, mm -hmm. and so do you have empirical, empirical evidence that um, the campaigns funded by crowdfunding or crowd investing indeed receive further funding? Or I personally haven't collected my own data on this topic yet. All I know is that, um, I can't remember who it was, someone has done research on this and basically said if one crowdfunder invests, others will follow. The fact that it might attract VC or business angels it's a proposition. I don't know yet. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Yes, um, the, the, the news about uh, uh, the performance of this, this sector of crowdfunding are that there, is, uh, there are uh, amazingly low uh, rates of failure. Um, but the, did you come across the discussion in the literature on how uh, the investors are protected from the risk of the failure of uh, their investments through crowdfunding? Because a protection or some sort of framework of protection of investors uh, uh, could uh, enhance the potentiality of these uh, instruments, of this mm -hmm. channel of financing. So I think that this is an issue that uh, will become more and more uh, evident in the future, in the immediate future. And I think as so. As I said yeah. this morning, uh, I, I knew about the European uh, Commission trying to uh, introduce a, a standard uh, regulation of crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. Did you come across a discussion on this? Not yet, no. There, is, um, there are a lot of working papers in this area. Well, a lot of is exaggeration. There are a few, but I haven't found one in that respect yet. I did some research on that question recently, mm -hmm. and um, I think the FS FCA in the UK is tightening down yeah. on crowdfunding sites. So you find, for instance, Cedars and Crowdcube one of the reasons why you may not want to go with them is the exhaustive um, legal hoops you have to go through and the due diligence they conduct mm -hmm. before you can, you can get onto their platform. So the authority, authorities are aware of it. Um, they are clamping down. Yeah. And they're also doing the same thing in the States as well, US. Well, I'm, I'm probably thinking about the business angel side at this point when um, there was a similar issue with the self-certification, whether people can self-certify to be sophisticated investors or not. And it's taken a long time until something came up. But um, yeah, I can see a lot of stuff happening in that area. I just haven't seen academic research on it yet. Other questions? Yeah, I've got one. Um, I mean, you mentioned the 
you know, as the benefits, you know, there's less involvement, there's less due diligence required. Uh, how do you, has there been any research done on how that affects investment performance? Because if you've got a VC, you know, they're involved, they'll drive, they've got the experience, which surely drives their core performance and actually development of the idea. If you don't have that, um, surely that affects investment returns. I haven't found that specific data yet, no. Okay. Um, as I said, I haven't done any primary data myself, mm -hmm. and I have not yet seen academic research on that topic. But that's one of the things that I actually put in my recommendations as well that should be looked at. And um, I think it's always a causality effect as well, because as we know, venture capital, some companies will exceed, some others will fail. Yeah. So there's always going to be an issue around whether it helps or not. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.